0: All right, y'all, how are we doing this morning? We good? Everyone tired? Yeah, I feel that. I've been tired a lot this week. This past week, I've just been getting over allergies and the pressure, like a thousand tons in my head. So I feel that just resting and sleeping all week. Um, But yeah, I'm here today. And I'm gonna talk about Luke 5, 12 through 16. Um, But before I get into that, uh, I have a clip to show you guys uh, from the Chosen TV series, um, and it'll kind of detail what I'm going to be talking over, and that is Jesus and the leper. So if you guys have that ready back there, to spoil this beautiful day or anything. Put yeah? that on. <laughs> Come on. Ah! So here we have the leper right here, and we've got Jesus and his disciples, and some of his followers. Stay back. That's going to be Cover the main character. Don't breathe right his hair. Come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can. No, He's diseased. You. Can... Please. Please. I <laughs> thank you i i knew it i knew it i knew it what can i what can i ever do do not say anything to anyone you don't seek your own honor please just do me this one thing But what, what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. What's an extra tunic? Alright, we can pause right there. But. That that is the best visual representation I can give y'all about this passage. Now it's not the exact account, but it's it's the best that we can we can come up with. But that right there is powerful beyond words, and we'll we'll expand. But uh, the passage it reads Luke five twelve. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's bow our heads real quick and just pray over the message um, before we begin. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather and just dive into your word, God. Pray right now as we, we explore and get to unpack this passage, God, that's you speaking through me, nothing of my own. God, that they, they can truly hear your words here today, and they can have their lives changed by this truth, God. God, we thank you, and we praise you, and we ask this all in your son's holiest name. Amen. So, um, I have a quote for you guys. Great poet, someone that you probably all have heard uh, once or twice. Um, his name is Marshall Bruce Mathers III. Some of you all probably know him from another name, but the quote that I have here very much works for what the leper, what position the leper was in at that moment and says, look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you take it or would you just let it slip? Some of y'all probably know that. But y'all, this leper had that one moment. He had something that he wasn't going to let go of. Something that was going to radically change his lives, and so looking at this, I have three points to highlight what that leper did in that moment. You guys can go ahead, put up the uh, main point slide for me. We've got desperation, we've got faith, we've got obedience, and I'm going to expand upon all these to show you that we're not much different than the leper in that story, leper in that clip. Physically, we may be different, but spiritually, we're not much different at times. Emotionally, we can feel not much different. So, kind of unpacking that. Leprosy back then was a crazy bad thing, crazy tough. It It was a disease all throughout the skin, oftentimes in various colors, whatnot, I'm not gonna go into full detail so I don't gross you guys out, but it was something that was frowned upon and just almost disowned in society at the time. We see, we see issues like this all the way back during the time of Moses. And Moses is referenced here in the scripture as, is, as going back to the law that Moses had commanded. And they're referencing Leviticus 13, cleansing laws, and, and how we're to make offerings and sacrifices. Oftentimes, for our sin, but before Jesus had come down, and way back during the Exodus, there were certain ways that people would atone for their sins and whatnot. Leprosy was a tough thing to atone for, because oftentimes it wasn't always right away cured or right away, like given grace. It was often associated with sin and shame. Sometimes, leprosy was seen as God's extreme judgment on those who are just so lost. If a person had leprosy, they weren't allowed oftentimes to come very close to many people. Y'all remember how when, when COVID first hit, there was the whole six feet social distancing type thing? That's as close as you are allowed to get to someone else if you had leprosy. You couldn't be closer. Imagine one of your family members by societal norms and societal laws being told you cannot be within six feet of one of your family members, that would suck and the shame that you carry around being labeled socially as an outcast. I know some of us can relate to that at times of feeling different, feeling like you're on the outside, feeling that you're not worthy. Y'all, that's, that's what this man was, but he was considered the worst of the worst. If, if, if there was even a breeze coming through town, he had to be 150 meters back from the nearest person. Y'all, that's quite a ways. It's quite a ways. So to put it simply, like this man was just seen as nothing. He was seen as garbage. And it was hard for him to feel any worth, feel any value, anything. But all of a sudden, Jesus, this man Jesus comes up around the time, starts doing kind of these these crazy things, miracles almost. And And he's sitting there desperate for anything, desperation, when you're at the end of yourself and thinking, there's nothing else I have, there's nothing else I can do. Where is my hope? Where, where can I go for, for something, for support? Y'all, that's where exactly he was. His sin and his shame had shaped and guided his life. His condition brought him to a point where he was willing to risk everything. He could have been severely punished, let alone potentially executed, for doing what he did without giving a proper heads up or or waiting until Jesus was a lot more secluded from others. He he, he was waiting for an opportunity where he could go and just give it all and just say, God, here. But what he did was he acted. He acted in desperation. But there there was a kernel of faith in there Colonel, like he knew who God was, he knew what he could do, but he was just desperate for anything and everything. Oftentimes, we can miss our own conditions, our own sinfulness. That doesn't mean that we can't go to God, but sometimes we need to see the reality of our own sin that it truly does separate us from God. That without Jesus, there is no way we could be in God's presence. Sin defiles us in the sight of God, but through Christ we can be healed of the plague of sin that separates us from God. When, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God could no longer be in that presence. That's why we see all throughout the Bible, people would come so close but never be fully in the presence of God. Moses was probably the closest a person got before Jesus came. And even then he saw just a sliver of God. And the radiance was too much that he himself reflected some of that and he had to cover himself so that others wouldn't be blinded. That's because our, our sinfulness, our condition. God hates sin. It's clear and simple. It's a disgrace to him and it keeps us from his presence. Ultimately, that desperation, that realization of your shame, your sin, keeping you away from the goodness of life, that's where this man was. And that's where this man acted in faith. We see in verse 12, him him saying to Jesus, Lord, if you will, you uh, you can clean me. He knew that Jesus could do this, but the trouble was, because of his condition, he didn't feel like he was worthy enough to be cleaned. I know sometimes it can feel how we do stuff that we're not worthy of certain things, that sometimes we're, we're too crazy or we don't listen to our parents. We can, we can feel like our parents don't love us because of all the bad stuff that we do at times. But I tell you, there's nothing that you can do that, a parent will make, that will make a parent love you any less. There's nothing that you can do that Jesus will love you any less for. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more though. Jesus loves you regardless. So in faith he came to him still still humble in his in his condition still still acknowledging the condition of himself was saying god you are able to make me clean if you will if you will but what do we see what do we see Jesus do what what is the hope what is the truth there Jesus heals him He risked everything in faith for Jesus, who was yet, even before him, still something he just didn't feel was going to do it, but did it. The equivalent of what he was asking for was basically that of bringing someone back from the dead because that's what he was considered, was just dead to society. People looked at him as nothing. And that's what he felt. He's like, well, I have nothing left. If this doesn't work, I've lost nothing. I'm just at the end. I'll just wait till I wither away. And die. What Jesus had been doing so far hadn't been to that that level of just miraculous. Jesus will do some crazy astounding things in his ministry. But this was one that really started to catch the attention of the people. That's why he started getting all this attention from the crowd. Stuff that he wasn't seeking for himself. But the world was looking for. Because they just wanted a quick fix. They knew that they could go and they went and did something. They get a quick fix. They'd be fine. They weren't looking more for what he was, the ultimate end to all suffering, to all pain. And so Jesus healed him. And He did the miraculous. He gave that man new life. That's similar to us in Christ. We are given new life in Jesus. When we look at ourselves and say, I have nothing left, and you give it all to Jesus, you give it all to God, Say, God, if you will, make me clean. You you act in faith. Because it's not by works. Nothing that that man with leprosy could do could have earned him that life. He was the lowliest of the low. But Jesus saw him as a wonderful son. Jesus saw him as someone with value, with purpose, with a capacity to be loved and did the unthinkable. In the clip, you saw all the disciples were like, no, 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 don't touch him, don't touch him. Jesus said, hey, it's okay, I got this. Jesus went to him. And you could kind of see from the clip, like those, those, those sores, those, those gashes, those wounds, all that, like they were starting to fade away. Jesus physically took that into himself, taking that on himself and away from him. He stepped in his place for that. It was only after faith was given there. Those who have been redeemed from sin by grace through faith in Jesus can stand in God's presence in full confidence of the acceptance in the beloved. If if there's ever a moment you guys have questions or whatnot, a great resource for some of this is Blue Letter Bible and gotquestions.org. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 speaks to that, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one may boast. God had prepared a good work beforehand for each and every one of you. And so after that, after, after faith has been enacted, what must we do? We must live in obedience. That's my, my third point. What did, what did Jesus command him? Not to go and tell the people about him, not to go and bask in his own glory. No, what did the law command him? What was the law of Moses given? You know, give certain sacrifices, certain offerings for your cleansing, to to show the priest, hey, I've been cleaned. I've done all that you've commanded. I've done all that the the law has told me to do. So you, you can tell the people I'm good. I'm to be brought back in. That was the custom, that was the tradition. Jesus didn't come and say, Oh no, it's all about me. No. He said it's all about God. He gave us the law back then for the realization that we were not perfect. The law was meant to remind us and show us that we were never going to be perfect, but that we needed something better for us that could be perfect. And that would be Jesus. And so Jesus tells him, Hey, go and do as you have been instructed. He does so. He does so, he does so in obedience. Jesus, all that he was doing was in obedience to the Lord. As we saw last week, Will talked about Jesus in the temptation. Y'all, Jesus at any moment could have done what he wanted. Any moment Jesus could have done anything during those three temptations. That's talked about in Luke 4. But he didn't. Why? He was obedient to the will of the Father. He was obedient. He was faithful to the will of the Father and obedient in that. And so we see that though the report did go out, Jesus, he went, he went to desolate places and he prayed. He didn't seek his own glory. He didn't seek his own boasting. He didn't seek anything for himself. He simply gave it back to the Father. Everything he did was for the Father. Everything he did for you guys, each and, one, each and every one of you, for me, for all of us, he did it for us. He saw us in our condition of nothing and gave us everything so that we would have something. We would have eternal life. We would be able to have unity with the Father again. We wouldn't be distant. We wouldn't be separated. All of this gets to reflect Israel like we've been looking at. All of this shows Israel in a way that we've never seen before. Leviticus 13, they're in the Exodus, they're leaving, they're given new laws of how to live, how to, how to go about life. Read the book of Leviticus, it's basically just a rule book for how they were to worship, how they were to do things. Numbers kind of with that. But Israel, where they fell short, Jesus was perfect. Where they fell short, Jesus was perfect. Where they complained, Jesus didn't. Where there was seemingly no life, Jesus gave abundant life, Jesus was there. Jesus gets to shadow everything from the Old Testament about Israel and fill in where they fell short and be perfect. Because ultimately, if we were to have a sacrifice, have someone be our substitute on that cross, and it wasn't perfect, it would have meant nothing. But Jesus being perfect ultimately filled the need that we could never fill. So kind of wrapping up, are some points to think about. Genuine desperation for Jesus. And I mean genuine. You are at your end. You are on your knees crying out to God, realizing that there is nothing you can do on your own without him. And that your sinful condition separates yourself from him. Genuine desperation. Desperation for Jesus will lead to faith unrelenting. If you genuinely desire to have new life, true life, you you will be faithful to follow Him, not out of His desire just to check off a box, but out of His desire to fully obey Him and live in the love that He's given you. But genuine desperation for Jesus will lead to faith unrelenting, and that faith when genuinely lived out, will lead to obedience to God. Simple as that, simple as that. Nothing crazy, you don't have to have the whole complex, what is life all about? It's simply living a life for God out of faith and obedience, out of a genuine desire to do His will.